So that's okay if, if people are just sitting there laughing at me. That's fine too. <laughs> You're not bitter about it. Your no, gums aren't bleeding because I'm of it. I'm here for your amusement. Are you yes, not sorry. entertained? You're listening to The John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean, American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Welcome back to The John Chi Show. Hello, people. I am one of your co-hosts, Nathan Nowak, along with co-host KJ and a new co-host today, a special guest co-host, Shanae. How are we doing, everyone? I'm good. Very tired. So, (laughs) so tired. that too. (laughs) I know. I felt when I came into that with the, uh, all that enthusiasm, then I was like, you know what? I'm a lot more tired than You were like, I I feel like I just lied to everyone, (laughs) mostly myself, about how energetic I actually am. Exactly. That was just for the opening. Um, we are tired, but we are here. We are still uh, still the John Chi Show. Patrick is in uh, Korea currently, um, so uh, we have uh, you know our special guest here. So Shanae, thank you for joining us. Ooh, watch this, Shanae. What does John Chi mean? Oh, wow, it means, quiz. <laughs> means party. <laughs> yes, we use it as feast, party, celebrate. Because we are all Korean adoptees, we all have something to feast and celebrate. So, uh, yeah, we are uh, here in uh, um, September. What uh, what have you guys been up to? Are you guys, uh, um, you know, I know you were tired. Is it is this just work, family? What are you guys feeling? What what could make it better? Speaking uh, speaking of tired, October. it's October, right, Nathan? So, <laughs> did I say September? Oops. Yeah, yeah you, you did. did. <laughs> Get the month. So yeah, you're like we we didn't we didn't leave last month, did we? I I have things to do eventually. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me, I'm just like I had a moment of rest, which is great, and then now everything is getting super busy, Uh, especially in the church world. Like it's this is the beginning of the busy season in terms of production, so that the rest of the world hits December and we're already like very tired and we have to like find the energy to like be welcoming to people. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a time that I'm in and yeah, all the house stuff is done for the most part. So I don't have oh, that. Your it's kitchen's just, finished? It's just professional busyness. It's professional okay. busyness and not personal busyness. So that's nice. That's good. I mean, it's the holidays. I think the holidays can be busy for everybody as we go into the holidays. That is, I mean, yeah, it's like it's, like, <laughs> it's not even the holidays, but I not even feel yet. Like, I mean, there's Halloween's only like two weeks until Thanksgiving, right? I'm like, yeah, so sure. I mean, ha- Halloween I consider kind of an ordeal, at least for some. Uh, for me, at least, I have to decorate and get the kids' costumes ready and things like that. But um, it's also Allison's birthday, so I always have to. It's like right around that same. Her time, birthday's so on Halloween. No, it's two days before. It's 29th. So. Oh. <laughs> I was like, how have we oh, not okay. talked about that? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, it's just little planning things. And then, yeah. And then, yeah, you're right. Thanksgiving and then right into Christmas and New Year's. But, uh, Janae, what about you? You're you're busy with, uh, with your ventures and your family life. Yeah. I feel like I have started going back to work, which has been wild, <laughs> uh, very much needed, but somehow managed to start going back to work, but still not have consistent childcare. So that's been a really fun, <laughs> uh, balancing act. Um, and at the same time, Clara has decided that sleep is for the week. She's <laughs> learning a bunch of new words and simultaneously has decided like, ah, I don't need to sleep anymore. So I'm going to be up in the middle of the night and start my day at four 30. And so we've been, uh, Drinking a lot of coffee in this household. <laughs> How does that go for you? Because sometimes I'm like, yeah, coffee is super helpful. And then I'm, other times I'm like, that just made me incredibly anxious. And then other times I'm like, that gave me heart palpitations and I should probably stop, but I keep doing it anyways. How? What's, the, what's your coffee rhythm like? Yeah, it's like, I think on the one hand, it gives me enough energy to like survive another hour. But at the same time... Yeah, I agree with you, like the heart palpitations. But then when like you're sleep deprived and if that's why you're drinking the coffee, sometimes it gets really hard to discern whether or not it's the coffee that's making you feel like absolutely nuts or if it's just like the sleep deprivation kicking in. (laughs) Right. I I just go with the constant stream of coffee to never have any of those other issues. 
Yeah, so this That's is the way to do it. This is my third get those, I think, like, right now. So. Oh my gosh. Get those uh little coffee coffee candy things. Oh, I have like some. the Koreans do. I have some coffee candy ones Koreans. and I also have coffee chocolate. Um just cuz I like chocolate. So if I ever need uh um a little uh little kick that way, it's like just, you know, it's like a chocolate bar, but it's got uh caffeine in it, so you ever double up and like eat the coffee candy or the coffee chocolate while drinking coffee at the same time? I'm, I may have done that a couple of times. Do you ever just like <laughs> make hot chocolate with a chocolate chocolate, no, the coffee chocolate, and then put that into your that. coffee, or vice yeah, versa? I mean, that's like, you know what this coffee mocha. needs more coffee. Yeah. What was it? I heard a long time ago somebody made what they made coffee, but and then they put it in back in the coffee maker and made a second round of coffee instead of putting water. You know, in the the coffee, oh, they put terrible. coffee in the coffee maker yeah. and just made it like extra for the coffee. for the can't listeners at home who can't that. see our faces. Shanae and I both just looked at you like you were crazy. <laughs> I, I know that you, I did that. You aren't the one who did it. Yeah, you're right. You're that. right. It was just yeah. a natural reaction of like, why on earth would you <laughs> do that? Why? Uh-huh. But I mean, you can add coffee to espresso. So that that's a thing. I haven't done that yet either. But again, I'm just going for the constant stream. I don't need super high content, you know, like concentrated craziness. I, I just need the constant mild to keep me throughout the day so that I don't fall asleep. Um, but the, the, the downside of that, though, of course, is when you stop drinking coffee or something, you sometimes get headaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the worst. That's not good. That definitely yeah. means I'm drinking too much coffee if I start getting headaches. But uh, yeah, Shanae, you, you came back on our show. I'm, I was trying to... KJ just mentioned that you were on our show some 20 episodes ago. And I, I what has been going on since then? What to, what have you been doing? What have you been up to? So I know you you had your podcasts. I know you had, uh, you know, Soul Conversations on on uh, uh, online. And then you had uh, your presentation at Con. So, but what else have you been up to? Yeah, I feel like 20 episodes was forever ago. And it's funny too, because like Soul Conversations is on pause right now. And I, you know, like we've, we've still kind of been meeting behind the scenes, Benny and Kara and I, and like, we just got to a point where we, you know, had added Kara for the third season and got to a point where I think we want to be more intentional about what we do and more mindful about our time and respective schedules. And we haven't come up with like a good working formula. I think, I mean, you all know you, you're doing the same thing, right? Like it's a lot of work to find guests and get to a point where like people are coming to you and you're not chasing them. And then you know, editing and social media. And when we talked, we all kind of decided, or it came out that we all strongly dislike the same things. Like we all really don't <laughs> like, <laughs> we don't like, you know, needing to constantly engage on Instagram. And, you know, we don't like specifically the Instagram piece. So as we're all trying to independently like disentangle from Instagram, yet need <laughs> someone to do Instagram, we were like, oh, <laughs> this is a big problem, you know, and then you think about, well, we could, we could hire somebody to do, to do the Instagram. And then it gets into like, well, we don't like chasing people. So then who, which of us wants to go out and and hire someone and how do we monetize? And so they're all things we're talking about and we're not, you know, necessarily gone for good, but I think we're just thinking about like as soul conversation, sort of as a brand, how heavily do we want to stay solely in the podcasting world? Um, do we want to maybe branch out? Because I think we also are really passionate about wanting to amplify adoptee voices, but just trying to figure out a way that's more sustainable and like authentic to who we are as people. Cause we're all very like different personality wise. I think people who listen to the show, um, definitely can tell that we're all, you know, more extroverted or introverted depending upon who it is or what's going on. Um, but when you asked me to come on, Nathan, I, I was like, just going through to get my stuff. I was like, Oh, I need to get my microphone and like get things. And I, I have no idea where it is. It's like, it's been so far <laughs> packed up and out of my brain. I was like, I don't know where it is. I don't know. Um, you know, I feel like very rusty. Um, uh-huh. so you, you're yeah. saying that we shouldn't ask you to edit this episode too afterwards or <laughs> no, see, that's the thing. Like, so no, I've I, forgotten I, how computers I, work. <laughs> I do edit soul conversations. And that's one of the other reasons that we're on pause is I'm the sole editor and things are like crazy. And I just couldn't keep up with things. Um, but yeah, I do like the editing, but no, you probably don't want me editing this, this episode <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I it I'm uh, incredibly grateful for both KJ and Patrick doing the editing because I, uh, I mean, I know how to edit my home videos and that's about it. I I, I don't know a single thing about audio editing, so I'm happy that they have been doing that uh, this entire time and that uh, they leave the the snack picking to me and and stuff like that. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a uh, there's some you know some nice delegation of, of different tasks that I think for us have worked out well, but. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I can, I totally hear you. If, if you guys all like and dislike the same things, it kind of gets to that point where, so now who's going to do this? <laughs> so. Yep. Yeah. Who wants to do that thing that they don't really want to do, but take one for the team. Yeah. But, uh, really enjoyed your con, um, session though. You guys did a great job there. Did you really uh, enjoy that? And like the in-person number one, not having to edit anything or, or really, do, you know, do anything after that. But uh, did you enjoy that type of conversation and uh, in front of like a live audience? Yeah, I think that is something that we all like collectively enjoyed and like that we've been talking about sort of behind the scenes that we did really like presenting. I think personally for me, Con was a little weird for me personally. Like I, I think I was really excited, but then like the weekend of, it was like the week leading up to it, like people in my family got sick and people were traveling and it just like, I got there and I was so drained that I felt like I wasn't like on my A game and, and I don't do well in situations where there are like a lot of people that I don't know. (laughs) Mm. Um, and granted, you know, you know, people through, through social media and stuff, but I think being put in a position where. I felt a little bit like I was responsible for not like putting on a show, but like putting on a certain face and like being very on and being like outgoing and engaging with other people when a, I was just like automatically really tired going into it and B just like, I'm really introverted. It's like not comfortable thing for me. I think that was interesting. And also I think I, I was a little bit surprised and not surprised at like kind of the sobering reality that at the end of the day, we all just are Korean adoptees. And that's really where like the commonality stops. Like, I think I naively went into it thinking like, Oh, you're going to drive with everybody. And it's going to be this like nice, like Kumbaya, everyone's going to be all like warm and fuzzy. And not to say that people weren't, but I think there were definitely, you know, some, some things that surprised me and you forget about, you know, generationally, there are differences um, just in terms of like preference. Like I think, you know, there was a little bit of like, well, what do you mean you don't speak Korean? Or what do you mean you haven't gone to Korea? And like, I think sometimes we as adoptees like forget that it's interesting, right? Like as a community, we get so upset when people say stuff to that, to us like that and tell us to, you know, we're not Korean enough or, you know, we're too white or we're too whatever. But then like, there are definitely some instances where like we do that to each other. (laughs) Mm, Um, And I think, you know, that was, that was, definitely like a larger component of that weekend for me than I thought it was going to be. I, I've, I find myself struggling with that as well. Um, sometimes putting my, my opinion on my own story and the things that I've done. And actually Patrick just posted on it briefly today on his Instagram when he was talking about how when we do these shows, we talk about uh, you know adoption from our point of view and through our stories and not other people's stories. And hopefully we're not uh, implying anything that when we talk about that anyone else should do these things or um, that if you haven't done the same things that we've done, you know, it's wrong or things like that. So, um, and that's sometimes for sure. When I, when I talk to people, I try to hold back, you know, for example, you know, the, the biological family search, you know, it's, it's everyone's preference. And even though, you know, there's, there's, there's good and bad outcomes and, and, you know, good and bad reasons to do it. And some people do, and some people don't want to do it. it it's all fine. Um, I was just one of the fortunate ones that, you know, had a good outcome of that. And so, um, if that helps anyone that that's great. Um, but if it, uh, you know, does the opposite and, and makes people mad that I, <laughs> that I had, that I talk about that, then I, you know, I, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> you know. yeah, I think uh, it's interesting yeah, we, too. Like I, when I, so I went to this, um, conference, uh, it's a part, it's a Dallas Fort Worth chapter of, the National Association of Asian American Professionals, so NAAAP or NAP, as they abbreviated it there. I like NAP, which is a wild time. It was um, 
obviously just Asian Americans, you know, in the Dallas area. So not adoptee related, but the keynote speaker was Stephanie Dranka, who's a Korean adoptee in the area. A workshop leader and panelist was um, Jay He, who is, uh, again, a Korean adoptee in the area and is in the field of um, uh, so psychotherapy. So, I don't know. She can correct me later. Um, <laughs> I think that's right. She's like a, a therapist and sociologist and kind of all those things. And so um, maybe not both, but in that realm. And it was interesting being able to hear from both of them. Um, and Stephanie is generationally closer to me in terms of like what wave of adoptee, like Korean adoptee we yeah. are. And Jaehee is like the previous wave which might be kind of the one that y'all are on the tail ends of. And then um, obviously we've had a lot of, not a lot of, but a number of first wave Korean adoptees on our show. And I think Mm -hmm. even like, not just generationally in terms of like, as an American demographic generation, but also I think as a subset of like your, the waves of adoption, it's interesting to see like how those two things interplay and how they combine to create either some really unifying or some potentially really caustic atmospheres, even amongst Korean adoptees, you know, um, and then combined with like what part of the country you grew up in and, and lots of other factors mm-hmm. that can be a real hodgepodge for like, Oh, you're, you're a person just like I'm a person. And I forgot that I don't like everyone. <laughs> That's my, my general take is I, I hate everyone. So yeah. I mean, that is true. The generational thing, um, you know, is a tough one because it doesn't matter if you share commonalities, um, you know, even if there is strong of something as a Korean adoptee, but it's, it's that we're all different still. And yeah, if someone was raised in the, you know, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, you know, two thousands, it's all going to be a little bit different. I mean, especially when you try to connect with somebody on like, you know, basic, Oh, did you see this movie or something? Or do you like this type of music and things like that? It'll it'll completely you're not even talking about adoption. You're just talking about just pop culture or things that you relate to, and it, they won't have a clue what you're talking about. So, I you know so I sometimes feel that way during our podcast, even though there's three of us, we're kind of all in the same you know um, we're not exactly in the same um, waves. I guess KJ and Patrick are closer in the same one than than I am, but. Um, but yeah, we still have topics where we talk about, and you guys either look at me and like, nope, I have no clue what you're talking about. Or I look at you and have the same, (laughs) same feeling. Um, but, uh, but that's good. And that's, I think, I think that conversation is, uh, um, important as long as people are open-minded and, uh, um, and that is a struggle I think with the community out there is some people don't understand when you start engaging in an adoption community, what type of people and wave uh, uh, the adoptees that you're talking with are from um, because sometimes all it is is a photo or sometimes all it is is a name. So especially on social media, you kind of get lost in just assuming maybe that everybody is has similar thoughts as you. Um, I don't know. What do you think, Shanae? I know you discussed a little bit about um, the the community, the adoption community, and of course the, the ones at Con too. What do you feel about, I guess, the how do you look for a community that you relate to or that you get along with um, that's more along the same page or, or what you're looking for to help yourself with uh, your thoughts and stuff. Yeah. I think one thing that I found, cause I've really pulled back from like the social media piece and even thought about going back and forth. Like, do I delete my becoming bolder account? Cause I haven't really been on it. And part of me feels a little guilty because I'm like, there are people that I want to keep up with, but you know, at the same time, I think it just got to a point where it felt like it was a lot. And I can talk a little bit more about like why I felt like it was a lot afterwards, but I think I've really been trying to engage with the community. I think for me, like one-on-one, like in much more controlled spaces and like, if possible, like in person, um, is better for me. Like, I like it better. I mean, just in general, like as I am, like as a human, I'm not a big person for small talk. Like I would rather sit with somebody and, you know, have a conversation and not like spend 10 minutes, you know, in between sessions where we just like sat and like cried next to each other and unpacked our trauma, but we like know nothing about each other. Right. (laughs) So like I'm, I'm, um, piloting and open mic, like oral storytelling 
workshop for BKA right now um, with a group of seven other adoptees, which has been really nice because it's definitely just you get to build like a little bit of a community and we get to know each other on more of a personal level. There's like a specific objective in mind. So it keeps kind of everybody um, like on task, but it it's it's a little bit more direct. Um, and it's a nice group. I think it spans. We definitely have some people who are from like the first wave of adoptees. And I think as the facilitator, I'm the youngest, like the most recently adopted. Um, but I think just because of the setting, like it's a lot easier to have conversations and, and just have the opportunities to ask like, well, what did you mean by that? You know, and just understand a little bit more. Um, But the other thing that I've been working on, so the work that I went back to, um, I'm doing programming for Asian Girls Ignite in Denver, uh, which serves AAPI, um, female identifying queer and gender expansive um, students, grades six through 12. And it wasn't intentionally built as such, but it just so happens that a large amount of the cohort and a large number of the students, I want to say not quite half, but maybe like, like 60, 40 are adoptees. Um, and it's been really interesting working with them because the organization as a whole is about AAPI pride, right. And, and having pride in your Asian identity and as well as your other identities and intersectionalities. And it's based on storytelling. So there are female identifying members of the community that they come in and they, they tell their story and, you know, the students reflect and they do activities based around that. Um, but it's really kind of, I think, checked me in a way in how I think about how I talk about my adoption to the next generation. And I think it it really is one of the things that made me want to step back from the social media space, because I think at least a lot of what I see on Instagram in particular and like in my own sharing, right. Of my own journey is very much like the, the, the eighties, nineties, and before that wave of adoptees. Right. So we have a lot of very justified anger. We have a lot of unresolved relationship complications and, you know, I mean, it was, it was different. And I think I, definitely went through a period where like, I was also like very angry about, you know, my adoption. And I think a lot of people talk about it, like when they first come out of the fog or whatever metaphor you want to use, right. There's like all that hate and kind of that, that just, yes, the apocalypse. Yeah. All of those like gross, (laughs) like heavy, you know, (laughs) energy consuming feelings. Um, but I, I found that I really needed to be careful because you know, this generation of younger adoptees who par- whose parents, and again, not all adoptive parents, but like whose parents are being proactive, like they're, they're, you know, and I think it's like some of your listeners that are adoptive parents that, that they're seeking out resources and they're trying to do it differently, you know, than my parents or our parents. And they don't have those same feelings. And I think like genuinely don't have those same feelings, not like, oh, they just haven't realized it yet. They haven't hit the apocalypse, but I think it's just, it's different for them. And it really made me like take pause and think like, oh, you know, like I I can't, it's not necessarily appropriate for me to come out of the gate being like, you know, well, why aren't you resenting your white family? Why aren't you, you know, like, what do you mean you don't have these feelings? Because they genuinely <laughs> don't. And like, that's okay. <laughs> right. Like, like, I feel like nice. there's, <laughs> right. And I feel like there's, there's a point where like, it's, it's fine to have your feelings and it's fine to be angry and, and have all of these things. But at the same time, I like kind of get the feeling that sometimes we forget that it's like, okay to put down like whatever weapon, right? Like, I feel like sometimes we run out and we're like, ah, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and sometimes like, it's okay to put it down. Like, it's okay if suddenly you look around and like, you're not angry anymore, or you've made peace with it. And it's okay for you to just like, let it go. Um, and I found that like staying on the social media space and seeing people, you know, I think people process, I definitely was somebody who came out on social media and used it as like a form of processing. Right. But when that's like what bombards you in the face all the time is like, trauma after trauma after trauma, you know, it makes you think about like, 
but am I personally still experiencing this trauma or if I gotten to a point where I can grow? Like, am I allowing myself to sort of move on in other aspects of my life or focus on other aspects of being an adoptee, being an Asian American or whatever? Um, you know, and I think I thought too about just like having, having a kid now, like, do I want to put or continue putting all of my own personal trauma on a public platform <laughs> to, to stay like potentially in perpetuity? Like, I don't know. I, I think I struggle with like how much of it is educating, right? And I think education is good, but I am trying to be more mindful personally about like making sure that my education or my educating isn't being done by me like exploiting my own trauma, if that makes any sense. Um, so, and I haven't, you know, necessarily come up with any clear cut answers, but that's why I kind of just disappeared for a while. <laughs> No, that makes sense. And and I think like going back to my own experience, one of the reasons that I loved, and I still need to write about this, um, but I wanted to get the language of an apocalypse out first, because I will probably refer to it. But um, one of the reasons I loved hearing Stephanie and Jay speak was because they're two adoptees who I feel like have really moved through their moments of whether they were apocalyptic or however they want to describe those moments for them. Um they've moved through that and were able to use their life experience and like all of their life experience to present <clears throat> as leaders in this Asian American space with the fullness of their adoptee identities, like flavoring and adding complexity and adding nuance, but not being like the, the flame that all moths fly to or without being like that mm. singular like black hole that we just feel like i think especially in 2020 um what i saw in the adoptee space even as lots of adoptees were kind of like hitting that moment of apocalypse um and having that revelation what i saw was just a lot of people who were super against adoption who were super against like their own experiences who were like really fluent at being angry and not very fluent at mm. moving through that and i think that that's like some of our like generational inheritance quote unquote of first wave adoptees and second wave adoptees is um, I like to think that what I've contributed to the conversation is, well, I'm just sad and I'm moving through it, but that's like generally my life is I'm just a, I'm just a sad boy. Um, but I think like thinking about all those things, like what, what you've experienced Shanae, is kind of that next wave of adoptees. Um, and I think it is progress and I am, it's exciting to hear that, that there are, um, adoptees for whom like they have very little, I guess, in common with our own adoption stories beyond just being adopted and being Asian and being transracially adopted, but that they have parents who do help them celebrate that and who help them navigate those apocalyptic moments with more grace and more nuance and more support because they were prepared for this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And they're able to ease, ease them into it. I think for so many adoptees, the reason that moment feels so big is because that moment is quite big and we don't have any, mm -hmm. any yeah, you're language. alone. we don't have any training. We don't have any, you know what I mean? Like, like I think about even just like generally uh, non-adopted BIPOC peoples in America usually have some type of other like elder in their community uh, or, or whomever to say like, Hey, this is what it means to be alive in America. Uh, and so you got to watch out for X and then somebody else might come alongside them and be like, you got to be prepared for Y, you know, and like, make sure that you're thinking about Z. Like they have kind of a, a gradual introduction. Um, you know, even if it's just like, here's what happens when you get stopped by a cop, you know, like that's like, it's a hard conversation, but it is just one time, you know, and then they unfortunately get to practice that a lot. And they have other peers who have had, you know what I mean? Whereas like for adoptees, for us, for like old quote unquote older generations or older waves, there was just not that type of commune, not commune, um, cultural collective kind of idea of like, this is what it means to be an adoptee. This is what it feels like to have this like massive identity revelation dropped on your head. Um, you know, and however, and it's usually born out of trauma. It doesn't have to be born out of trauma though. So I think hearing stories of, of those revelations being pieced out and being like, 
like just like given bit by bit and like supported in a loving environment um or at least a, an environment is like i don't fully get it but i'm at least aware of it happening is really really wonderful i'm curious um so in listening to our last episode which was like like i said it was like 20 episodes ago maybe 30 episodes ago so that's like about a year ago probably in real time i have no idea how math works um you had said like i don't know how i feel about social media i don't know about um feeling the need to when something happens to post about it i don't know what kind of all of this right i think you were had recently reconnected with your birth mother also your mm-hmm. daughter was born like very like around that time or so, i don't know like there's like a lot of life happening to you <laughs> so i'm curious <laughs> like as our first official like repeat guest on the show slash first co-host who isn't one of the three of us slash I don't know. You, you're taking a lot of boxes. So like Nathan and I are both like, how do we do this? But, um, what's, what's been the difference I think in your mind about like how, like where you sit with your, um, adoptee identity and like how you've alluded to this a little bit, but like how you're choosing to engage with social media and maybe the public sphere as someone who did have a podcast was very public about things and like what's been that process and that change since like all those initial things happened. I hadn't like consciously thought about it this way, but I think the biggest shift that happened. So I will say, I do still worry about like, should I say something? Should I not say something? And you know, that's like when even Nathan was like, what do you want to talk about today? And I was like, uh, um, <laughs> not cause I was, I was, <laughs> I was, I was sharing with Ton. I was said, you know, you know, cause I was talking to her about like, do I want to be on social media? Do I not want to? And I said, I feel pressure to like put out a post that explains why I'm not here. And I was like, and that in and of itself, like, is exactly why, like, I don't think I want to be here. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and, you know, like, how much explanation do I, do I owe? And, and I think part of it was that I let go of the fact that, like, I don't need to be the, like, not, I don't want to say like not a voice in the room, like, right. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to say that like what I have to say doesn't matter or anything like that. But like, I guess, I guess in that forum, I feel like it's, it's not a place where like, I have to be commenting on, on everything or that I have to say something like I, I, I really struggle kind of with the like adoptee influencer. I think I talked about this last time, kind of like thing that happens. Um, but I think like in life, it's just, I have moved to the point in my adoption processing where I think like I've let go of feeling like a victim all the Mm -hmm. time. You know, like I acknowledge that like shit happened and things were not good and like things were not okay that that happened and all of that. But like, I've stopped carrying that in my backpack, like every single day and every room that I enter and every interaction that I have, like I've stopped just like walking around with this huge chip on my shoulder. And the reason that I did it was because I think really like having my daughter, like I was realizing, like, I don't want her to have that perception of, of me that like, you know, mom's life was horrible or like the world is against mom. Like it, cause it, it's not true. Um, but I think, you know, staying in the social media space, constantly talking about the worst parts of my life, feeling like I have to talk about just the worst parts of my life. And that, you know, you can't talk about the positive because that's not what the, what the community wants to hear. Or if you talk about good things, like it might make people in the community feel bad. Like, I think we're just very, and understandably so, right? Like trauma centered. Um, and Maybe we're all sad, sad people. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> Welcome but, <laughs> to the club. <laughs> right. Um, but I think just that it, like, I felt like my life got so one dimensional on that side that it was hard for me to like find the joy or find, you know, any good or acknowledge any of the good that was maybe right in front of my face. Um, yeah. And, and it's allowed me to, to connect more with, both areas uh, or both communities that I think we often talk about struggling to connect with, like one being the Asian community that's a non-adoptee community 
as a whole. And the other side being other white adoptive parents. I think like the more that I stopped kind of going into those spaces feeling like, well, they're going to treat me like an outsider and they've never given me a chance. And like, I need to prove myself. And again, with that chip on my shoulder, like the more I was able to see kind of like, no, not, you know, maybe sometimes. Right. And when it, when it does happen, obviously, you know, stand up for yourself and all of that and protect your peace. But, but that, that wasn't the case all of the time. And I think, especially with my work with AGI, you know, I, it's, I did the summer camp, um, in July and it's called representation. And we went to Chungang gifts and spoke to this woman, um, whose, whose family owns it and she owns it. Her name is Mimi. And she is, yeah. And she was saying, she said, we have things in this shop from China, Korea, Japan, you know, all of these places. And she said, and I don't know everything about everything that we have. She said, it's my job to know as the store owner, right. To be able to explain like what this means to this particular group of people and all of that. She said, but I have to research. She said, I, I go, I Google, I ask people, I listen to other people's stories. Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I think just like hearing her say that and just being so watching her be like, so open and welcoming and really saying to all of the students. And I think especially the adoptees, I know I took it to heart as an adoptee saying like, just because you don't know something about Korean culture or Asian culture in general, like doesn't make you less of an Asian. Like we all need to learn. We all need to talk. Like you're still one of, one of us, like we're all, we're all the same. Um, and that like largely has been my experience approaching and working with the Asian community, at least here in Denver through AGI. And I think that, you know, if I didn't drop that chip, that that wouldn't be my experience. You know what I mean? It's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like you feel like they're not going to accept you when you go in like that. And like, they're not because mm, of yeah. all the various no, reasons. And I think that's the, that's like the, the catch 22 of it, you know, is like, I do feel like a lot of adoptees are like, Oh, trauma. And it's just like, as they unpack that and the more that they like fixate on that, the more that they are fixated on that and the more that they're stuck, but there's no, it's the, like to me, it represents like a very clear dialectic tension of like, you have to go through that to come beyond that or to move beyond that. Um, and mm -hmm. I just don't feel like enough people our age and older are equipped or have successfully navigated their way through that those moments to come out the other side and say like i did that mm -hmm. but i'm actually able to to move on and and experience that and i i do think like there's so much even in what you said that reminds me of like how we as both like minorities within a minority um as new minority peoples um have so much to learn from like communities that have been marginalized publicly for much longer like i think about all of the um the the rallying cries from like the black and queer communities to each other like celebrate black love celebrate <laughs> black mm -hmm. joy celebrate queer love celebrate queer joy like these are calls and reminders to the to their own communities be like there has been a lot of shit that has happened to our communities in the history of being alive in America. And there's been a lot of good. And if you spend so much time focusing on those moments of pain and those moments of trauma, like that's all you're going to think about yourself, but there's so much more mm. to celebrate that. I mean, and I go back to it time and time again, but that's why we want to be the John Chi show. Why we want to be like a podcast that does the celebrating, that does the lighthearted, that does the humor, because mm -hmm. like, there are so many other great podcasts who do lots of other things for our community. But like for us, that was a very clear gap was like, where's, where's the adoptee joy and the adoptee love mm -hmm. and the, you know, those kinds of things. And so, um, yeah, I think it's really lovely that you were able to, to put that down and to move through the chip on your shoulder, you know, um, because I think it's important. And I think that that really does like help push our community forward. And there's a lot of things that, I mean, we talked about it at the very beginning of our shows that we, you know, I mean, frequently we used to say that, you know, we are not a monolith and that we can't have this one story. And I don't 
I think we've proven that, that all of the stories over the 100 plus episodes that we've had, a lot of them have similar tones, but a lot of them are completely different. And um, some are good, some are bad, some are happy, some are sad. Um, and I, I really like that about what we have done and about the community itself. And from what I've seen in both Instagram and, and Facebook, I've seen a little bit of both of it, but I agree that um, if I start seeing too much of one thing, I start feeling that and I start feeling and mm -hmm. seeing these negative tones. And I don't like that because I've had such a positive experience with it. And, and again, I, then I, like you said, I feel guilty if I start talking too much about the, the positives of it. And then I like, Oh, I don't want to, you know, downplay everyone else's story and things like that. But I, I, you know, I have to just keep reminding myself that I'm not doing that. I'm doing it for me. I'm, I'm doing social media for me. I'm explaining my, my story so that maybe somebody else who has a good story can, can see that and relate to it or give somebody else hope, which, you know, we've had a couple messages from people that, uh, that have said things like they appreciate some of the things we've said because it's convinced them or inspired them to do something that they originally were not going to do. Um, and that, you know, that that's, I mean, that's half the reason why we do this, right? So, um, going to that, in that direction, what kinds of things are you looking for now going forward in the, in the community? Um, what are you hoping to do? You know, you said you kind of are teasing about the idea of, of either ending your social media or maybe, maybe revamping it, or, or, or is there something that you want to do for yourself, um, you know, going forward? Um, I think, I don't know. I think for now the Instagram account is just going to stay up, but probably dormant. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, I, I mean, we all know, but I think Nathan, just because you also have three children running around, um, like get the time is very, very limited and very much a commodity. Um, mm -hmm. so I think I've really been trying to figure out and find the spaces that I can engage with the community but that like fits organically into my life. Like I spend a lot of time, you know, like three of my closest mom friends are also Korean adoptees and, you know, we see them a lot. And it's, it's great because it's one of those things like we're talking about um, going to Korea next year with um, one of them, if not more of them and doing like a big kind of just like parents adoptee in our, in our kids trip. Um, but it's nice because... Cool we have moved past the just talking about adoption stuff, right? Like we talk about like, is your kid sleeping? Is your kid pooping? Is it like, what's, what's happening? You know? And it just so happens that like we're all adoptees, but that doesn't define our friendship. It doesn't define, you know, every conversation, everything that we do. Um, and I think those are the experiences that I'm really looking to cultivate more of, um, to have it be that, you know, that's the adoptedness isn't the sole focus of everything. Um, it's a nice to have, it, it creates a level of empathy and understanding. Um, but that it's just not, you know, we're not one dimensional in that way. Um, so yeah, more opportunities like that, more small groups. I haven't decided if I want to go to con next year or not. I think it's largely going to depend upon family stuff and all the mom things. Um, but I think just trying to be a little more thoughtful and a little more intentional about my own energy and, and capacity. Yeah. Same thing. I mean, we, we hang out with Lana a lot and, you know, we met her through the, through the show originally and through, uh, you know, through you and your um, Facebook group that you started a while back as well. Um, but yeah, we don't talk about Korean things or adoption things. We, I mean, we talk about food and hiking and, and things like that, but that's, I mean, that's just normal stuff. We've just moved past uh, the adoption as, as the basis of, of original conversation and, and yeah, it's come down to just who we are as um, a, a people and what our likes and dislikes are. And I, I appreciate those types of friendships. I think those are the ones that will last longer too. Um, mm -hmm. than something that's just, you know, a commonality or coincidence. Um, but uh, what about you, KJ? What are you, what are you looking for? I know you're busy, but uh, are you moving on to anything? Are you going to start writing some more, more songs? Uh, probably not writing songs. I, um, I'm actually really actively thinking about how I want to use my time. Not like for the community, but, um, I don't, I can't remember if I've talked about this on the show, but like just talking about the idea of like loving my limits. So 
um, I think as a, as a moment and as a means of starting with like self-love is like recognizing that I want to be a specific kind of person that naturally limits my ability to be a different type of person. And even though I might want to be both people, like which identity is most important to me? Who do I want to be? And how do I have to then uh, change the way that I live my life to be that person? And so um, as like this, this whole summer has been a whole like season of like wrapping things up so that I can rest and wrapping things up or giving things away even so that I can focus more on who I want to be. Um, and so like, I'm, I'm really excited that like, I'm only busy professionally <laughs> coming into this next season, you know, like I'm not busy personally and busy professionally and busy with a podcast and busy with, you know, whatever it's like, it's actually only, it's just normal work busy. So it's a lot, but it's work busy. And from there, you know, consider like, I would love to write more blog posts because generally that's all people do on Instagram these days anyways. And why would I put that on Instagram when I could just put it on my blog and then share it out across any social media that comes and goes as it, as it will, you know? Um, so like, but I realize like writing takes time and it takes time. Not only does it take time to actually do the craft of writing, but it actually takes time away from time I could spend with my wife. It takes time away from time I could spend at the gym, which I don't spend at the gym currently, but I would like to get there eventually. Uh, time that I, like, it takes time away from time that I could use to rest or to recharge or to, you know what I mean? And so like, given that I'm like, okay, how do I budget? this thing that I want to do for who I want to be, like start with a love of my limits and not just be like, Oh my God, I, I don't know. I guess I'm just going to wake up earlier or whatever. Just feel like constantly like, mm -hmm. but it's actually like, to me, it's a, it's a very conscious reversal of like the hustle game that everyone is a part of. And that like, I think that the world is increasingly being the world that people in a certain socioeconomic class of America are increasingly mm -hmm. being privy to is like, yeah, just hustle more and do the thing, whatever. And that's so exciting. Like, yeah, it is, but it's also exhausting. And I'd actually rather start from the reverse and work, work towards, you know, whatever kind of thing. So I think that's where I'm leaning is learning to love my limits, practicing loving my limits as a means of loving myself. And then seeing like with the time that I have left, here are the things that I can do. Um, so yeah, that's like generally where I'm at. So I hope to be posting more to my blog um, so that like, because A, I think bring blogging back because why, why give your time to social medias? Like if you're gonna, if, if what you're doing on social media is mostly for you anyways, just have a blog and share it with your yeah. friends, and, mm -hmm. you know, and do that on social media. But well, you it's not it. even, that, yeah, it's not even that you're the owner of it, but like if it's mostly therapeutic, then just like, do it in yeah. your own space. So it's like technically public, but who's going to go? No one's going to come knocking on the door of your website necessarily unless you invite them over. And I think yep. that's an easier kind of thing. So yeah, that's um, that's kind of where I'm at. If you build generally. it, they will come. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you have a good blog, people will read it. So that's what I've heard. Yeah. I don't know. I hate blogging. But speaking of things, yeah, I but do you did like, it for though. like a whole month last year. I, I, well, I know. So. and then look what happened <laughs> i stopped <doing. laughs> i got burnt out i'm yeah. done <laughs> now i just post food photos but speaking of food how, would you guys like to jump into a food yeah this was yeah. a good time all right um, all yeah. right here we go here's uh. the music cue hi there i wanted to write an apology for how I just spoke uh, in the previous section of this show. Uh, since the episode has dropped, a listener reached out and said, this is me paraphrasing, hey, I just wanted to fact check you. And I really, really appreciated it. We strive to make our podcast a safe space for as many people in the adoption constellation as possible. And I messed up. I got graciously called out by a listener, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to practice apologizing. Somewhere in the middle of this episode, uh, the part that you just heard, I stopped making it clear that I was speaking from my own experience, perspective, and journey with, the, uh, with adoption and the adoptee community. I was doing my best to have my mouth keep up with my head, doing my best like Lorelai Gilmore impression, and I fell into some patterns of thinking that haven't been complexified and nuanced out yet. I stopped speaking slowly, and in the midst of that, I said some things 
in a way that customers be like, uh, that's not quite right. I was basking in the glow of some other really incredible cads. Uh, it's that blog post that I referred to, and I hadn't slowed down to reflect on that moment. And I mean, I say as much, I'm like, I'm going to write a blog, whatever. Uh, I brought some private thoughts public too quickly. And as I spoke about my own upbringing and experience, trying to speak intelligently and crack jokes along the way, I got lazy. I forgot a lot about what I've learned about Asian American history, about adoptee history. And in my laziness, I spoke in broad generalizations. So... I'm sorry that my laziness created uh, head tilt moments for some listeners. Moments where you're like, what? Um, I'm sorry that I perpetuated some wrong and hurtful ideas about multiple communities. I'm sorry that I dishonored the legacy of those who've come before me by forgetting. To be honest, I've listened back to what I've said twice, and I'm still listening to past KJ, and I'm trying to work on shifting my paradigm better. How could I have said what I wanted to say better? How could I be more nuanced? And how could I make sure that I don't repeat this moment? So I just want to say I'm sorry. I'll work harder. And I hope that as I stumble along the way, listeners will continue to call me out and push me to be better. Thanks. Uh, now, on to the food portion for real. Welcome back to the food portion, the part of the show where Nathan buys snacks, hopefully from Korea, but this one is not. This one <laughs> is actually a snack from Taiwan, but it's okay. It's 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 an Asian snack. It's something that we have not tried before, right? So, um, oh yeah, I guess there's literally mistake. no Korean on this package. Yeah, I know. Besides what it says, well, imported by Seoul Trading USA. And company. that's what I saw, I think, when I bought it. It was the Seoul Trading Company. And I immediately just went to, oh, it's Korean. And then I bought it and I was like, oh, and then I looked at it. But I don't care. It looks good. I can make a mistake, right? <laughs> no. I mean, we haven't really said Shanae, you're, have to you're hired Korean permanently. I'm, oh, haven't we though? It over. Uh, I know Nathan drove it over to my house and I looked at it. Yeah, she knew instantly when she saw it. She goes, I was like, is this Korean? So, see, we should hire Sinead to do our snacks. I was about to like throw shade at you because I was like, just look for the Korean writing. Then I was like, well, actually, maybe you didn't, you don't know the Korean script. And actually, one of the other things we had was Korean. And I was like, is that Korean? It looks Japanese to me. So never mind. Yeah. But I know. Yeah. You never know. So you're allowed to make one mistake. So you've I literally have mistake. to look for the three words product of Korea. But unfortunately this one says product of Taiwan. So <laughs> but that's okay. So I know. <laughs> I got us all different flavors because I thought it would be you know I mean it's popcorn. So okay, but I mean, yeah, what is it, Nathan, specifically? It's like what's the candy what's the brand? coated popcorn? So okay. everyone has a different flavor, I think. Um, I'm not sure. I know Shanae, I gave you the strawberry. Mm-hmm. And interesting. I have, bubble, I have brown sugar bubble tea. Ooh. Also interesting. Okay, I have a very basic caramel. Oh, the caramel. Okay, and then I gave. Uh, Patrick the chocolate but but he's not here so he'll have to do a, a live or something later and tell us how it is but um, yeah different flavors they had a lot of different flavors which I thought was interesting so even you know just for the fact of let's have some variety and see which one tastes best and I don't know but uh, I like popcorn so and I like I like bubble tea and I like caramel and strawberry so I don't know well, I hope uh, so all of yours by, are, are tasty this is by Candy Poppy I think Candy is the Poppy. brand yeah. Um, and then on the back it says "Stay Poppin'," but on the Stay front, poppin'. it says clearly this has been enlarged. What does it say? Clearly, this popcorn has oh. been enlarged to show texture. <laughs> hey, they're least, and that's how honest. you know it's not that's a an Korean extra product. Star for honesty, right there. No, I like that. you know it's not a Korean product because no Korean product maker would ever be so rude as to say <laughs> clearly. <laughs> This popcorn has been enlarged to show texture. As if to say, you fool, how could you possibly Did mistake you th- this? Don't sue us because the product doesn't look like what it is on the front of the package. <laughs> it's a li- liability thing. Also, okay, um, other other fun language. On the back it says shelf life, one year. Okay, cool. Expiry date, 
printed on the package. Like, again, so rude. <laughs> well, obviously. Well, at least they use the please for a please store in a dry and cool place. There you go. I guess. All right. Um, well, hey, it is a it. 2020 Brussels International Taste uh, Institute Superior Taste Award as well. So, all right. Well, I went to open it with the little tab thing, and, and the tab thing just ripped off. Oh, so. boo. Mine's coming off. You just off lost real a star, nice, Candy Poppy. Oh, uh, mine ripped off too. Mine came off real easy, guys. What's going on? I may need scissors. Well, well, you guys are getting scissors. Ooh, I love boba milk tea, so um, brown sugar bubble milk tea. I, I like I like that. I wish I had some of that to drink while I was eating this, actually. Um, Mine smells like Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops. Interesting. Like, Do you like strawberry like fruity pebbles. things? Shanae? Um, I guess it depends upon... You know how like some stuff is like that really artificial strawberry flavor? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not so much. Which kind of smells like it might be, but <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, how do you get a brown sugar bubble milk tea into a popcorn? I don't know. I'd be oh. curious how different yours taste, Nathan, than KJ's, because I feel like brown sugar bubble tea seems very similar to caramel. Look, it's enlarged mm-hmm. for your. For your tasting pleasure. Pleasure? Is that what Clearly. To show texture. Clearly, yeah, clearly this is this enlarged because I'm holding it up to the camera. It's popcorn. I'm going to say this is not great. It tastes like the Captain Crunch berries. Wow. Captain Crunch makes a resurgence <laughs> on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Watch your gums. I don't know. These are actually pretty big popcorn. I'm going to keep eating it because I'm hungry, but it's not great. I'm not getting a whole lot of flavor with mine. Like it's... Pretty mild. I'd have to have a bubble tea to compare. I don't have a lot to say about it. It's popcorn. I think most people have had a flavored popcorn before. Yeah. Um, like I said, not impressed with the package. Not impressed with the caramel flavor. It's like burned caramel flavor. It's strong, mm-hmm. but it's uh, yeah, it's just not that good. And I, was, I feel like in America you get like caramely chunks, and this one does not feel. Like it has the chunk. It's just like a, it's a very thin coating, which actually I think does work in its in its favor, but uh, the caramel itself is not high quality. So I'm gonna give it a two and a quarter out of five. Right. Uh, wait, two and a quarter poppies out of five. Poppy candy poppies are really not that good, but I'm hungry. Maybe that's why I think it's <laughs> as good as it is. I don't know. So, it might get a better rating right now. If you were full, no, I'm saying two and a quarter. Know. Two and a quarter is the better rating. Yeah, mm, yeah, exactly. No, Shanae, I will say think? I do appreciate. You know how like, and maybe this is just because mine is strawberry, but I feel like you know how sometimes you eat caramel corn and the caramel gets like really stuck in your teeth and it just kind of like builds up as you eat more pieces. This doesn't do that. It's like mm. a little bit lighter, okay. which I like. But like, how um, many pieces have you eaten? No, maybe like eight. Okay, because I'm like halfway through my. I've been taking right them now. one at a time. Yeah, I'm not like shoving fistfuls in my mouth, like or taking I'm, it straight from the bag. I'm like so Nathan. hungry. <laughs> um, like, is there any flavor in here? I'm like more in my mouth. Maybe it'll taste more, more caramely, more like sugar tea. I get a brown mm. sugar flavor, but no, I give it like a hmm. the strawberry, like a. I don't know, 2.53. Like, it's not bad. It's not the best thing either. But so going it's like weirding me out that generating. it tastes like fruity cereal with milk. Fruity cereal. Hmm. Oh, it tastes like the milk oh. is included. Well, that's intriguing. Yeah, it's like. Because it's kind of creamy. It, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Almost like the. um. What were they? Do they still make those? Like the cream savers? They were like life savers, but they, they were like berry flavored with. Whoa. I don't know. Nope. Am I, I like know, I dating myself? I've mm. not seen those in a while. I don't think I've had those. Maybe you're just regening yourself. Mm. Yeah. Maybe. Mm. Is it like, wait, how long were you in the New York area? Mm, from when I was a baby till 18. 
my whole like okay so maybe it's just like a regional thing maybe it didn't make its way to the south maybe but i also think that i haven't seen them since like 1998 <laughs> so <laughs> it could just be that they they went away i mean all three of us were alive in 98 so there was potential but i feel like if we don't all three know about it then maybe it's just a region you regionalist <laughs> just wasn't Re- looking wait. for lifesavers apparently in the Regionist? 90s <clears throat> um i like it it's not a super strong flavor. It, mine is actually, you were saying that yours doesn't collect in your mouth or the caramel or whatever. Mine is kind of collecting in my mouth and my teeth. Like, I feel like I got to go mm-hmm. brush my teeth after this. Otherwise, I'm going to get you a cavity. You should. But um, I wouldn't, the flavor is good. I wouldn't necessarily, it's a brown sugar bubble tea. I mean, that's so specific, brown sugar bubble milk tea flavor. I, I don't really feel like that's what it screams to me. I just feel like it's a candy coating maybe like a brown sugar coating, I guess. Um, but it is building up. It's good. It's light. It's not super thick. Um, I mean, it's popcorn. I like that it's air popped. I'm not getting a ton of kernels. You know, like when you eat some popcorns and it's just way too much like, I don't know, like the really crunchy kernels of a popcorn. Like, I don't like that. This is like the big air puffed circular ones, which I like. So um, it's good flavor. I, I don't, it's not the best caramel popcorn i've ever eaten so yeah i'll give it about a three and a half i think um i'd be curious to try the other flavors but uh um i gotta stop eating that yeah you know i like it clearly i like candy (laughs) were there other flavors besides these four Mm, i think so i'm trying to remember if matcha was one of them, um, I feel there was a few. Uh, I don't remember all of them. Again, I I run out of ideas when I'm there. I just like look for whatever's good or new or whatever. And this was one that I th- saw multiple flavors thinking, oh, this would be fun. We could all try different flavors. Clearly, I didn't read the label well enough. <laughs> um, I was enticed by the giant texture of the kernels on the front. <laughs> Was got gotten by the texture. I got I'm actually going to amend my rating right now to a 1.75, knocking it a whole half oh. a point because I've only eaten half of it and I feel sick already. So <laughs> no. that's not great. Um, it's got 12 sugars and 12 added sugars. So oh. don't give it to your kids. Well, hey, it's not expired, so... <laughs> I didn't, uh, didn't fail on that one. <laughs> or you didn't fail, and also we didn't fail for eating it in time. So there's True. that. That's good. That's point. Well, all right. Well, we'll have to see what Patrick thinks of the chocolate one Oh, when he gets back. Mm. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Shanae, thank you so much. Thanks again for jumping for in. For coming on again. And, sure, uh, no problem. Being, being the new Patrick. So... <laughs> 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 but uh yeah we appreciated you coming on where can uh listeners find you if you want there's on your on your your page or your instagram or a blog, blog that you're gonna start, start. <laughs> um, send you i mean I, I have one that's still like just sitting dormant um i guess if they nice. want to find old things they can follow my non-currently active instagram page becoming boulder is still there uh, soul conversations is still up. Um, Tierra mom confessions. I think I am going to close though, just so people know that's going to be going away. Um, but otherwise I think just in the world, like in the flesh, old school style, <laughs> go play Shemaine Pokemon go and you'll find her pop up every now and then in the, in the tall grass. You should start a competing, uh, Instagram from Patrick Shanae in the world. Shanae in the world. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh geez. <laughs> But yes, we really appreciated uh, you coming on and and uh, talking with us again, and hopefully we, uh, um, you know, didn't uh, didn't I don't know. What? Hopefully we didn't ramble like, too much. Like, like I just hopefully did. we. Uh, uh, I, I was losing steam. I was losing. <laughs> Well, it's usually when we do the solo shows, we just ramble and just talk about nonsense sometimes. And then we just jump into a topic and it works out. But uh, I wanted to make sure that 
this time we had an actual oh, structure with Shanae. I don't yeah. want to new person, new know, dynamic, professional or anything. <laughs> I mean, if you go back and listen to our original three episodes, we were very structured. So <laughs> it's true. It's not it's gone away uh, from that. Not unknown for us. So yeah. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can do so by following at John Chi Show on all of our social media platforms. Send us an email, John Chi Show at justlikemedia.com. You can leave us a voicemail if you'd like to, 972 8867 You can hang out with us in the Facebook after wait, in the Facebook party. group, the John Chi Show After Party. That's how that's called. Um Oh, yeah, you can support the show by going to johnjishow.com slash live. It feels like forever since I've done this, and it's not even been that long. Um, otherwise, slash you support. can follow. Did I not say that? I said no, slash said live. live. Okay. Uh, live that's probably not even going to be applicable. It's fine. johnjishow.com slash support is where you go to support the show. I still feel like it's September. It's fine. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me at KJ Relke, wherever I want to be found on the internet. You can reach out to Patrick at Patrick in the world, wherever he wants to be found on the internet. Uh, also maybe give him a follow on LinkedIn. He's Patrick Armstrong, specifically the Asian one. Uh, Nathan, where can people find you? Uh, and Nowak on Instagram and Nathan Nowak on Facebook. And that is the places that we are in the world. <laughs> Yeah, Thank we did it. Is, <laughs> thanks, everybody. Until thanks, next everyone. Wednesday. Again. John Thank Hey, Thanks, Jay. <laughs>